Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast, the trade deadline episode podcast where we look back at what unfolded before the November 2nd, 4 p.m. Eastern trade deadline and look ahead, more important, to the offseason and all the potential quarterback movement that can take place. We'll be joined by my friend, my colleague, the great Chris Mortensen, as we do look ahead to the upcoming offseason of quarterback movement that could include Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. And what a week in the NFL it was this past week as we wrapped up week eight and began to look ahead to week nine. And really the transformative moments occurred Monday morning as I was in my hotel room in Kansas City waiting to go over to Arrowhead Stadium for the Monday night matchup between the Chiefs and the Giants. And the first call came in that there was something wrong with Derrick Henry. And the more calls that were made, the more we were able to ascertain that he had a Jones fracture in his foot. And I don't remember the last time that we had an injury in season that might have impacted a team that wasn't to a quarterback this much. But Derrick Henry, as it turned out, did have the Jones fracture. He had surgery on his foot Tuesday morning. The chances are it's going to end his season. Now, the Titans are still holding out hope that somehow he could be back for the playoffs. But think about it. He's a running back. He changes direction. He's a powerful runner. He's incredible at what he does. What is going to be the rush to come back? I know fans want to see him back, but he's going to make sure, has to make sure, that his foot is right for future seasons, not just this one. And so, well, yes, I guess there is the outside chance that maybe he's back for the postseason. People I've spoken with don't believe that that's going to be the case. And they believe that Derrick Henry has played his last down of football in 2021, which is a sobering sight for Derrick Henry, for the Tennessee Titans, for the National Football League, and everyone who follows it. There is no player, no running back, more fun to watch run over people, stiff-arm defenders, throw them around as if they were pillows than Derrick Henry. God was incredible at what he has done, and he truly will be missed for the remainder of this season. The other move that came to pass as we're in the hotel room on Monday morning, in roughly a 30-minute span, 60-minute span, was the trade of Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams for second and third round picks. Now, one week before, when I was in a hotel room in Seattle, on Monday morning before the Seahawks' Saints Monday night game, the Rams traded Kenny Young, a linebacker, to the Denver Broncos. And I believe that's where the conversations about sending Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams really started because those two teams put together the one deal with Kenny Young and they began conversations that continued on through the week into the weekend that ultimately resulted in the trade of the eight-time Pro Bowl linebacker, Von Miller, to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, when it started, I don't know that the Rams ever thought that the Broncos were going to be able to deal Von Miller. And when it started, I don't know that the Denver Broncos ever imagined that they would get back a second and third round pick for a player who is 32 years old and on an expiring contract. And what's interesting there is that during the course of the talks, the Broncos recognized that under the current compensatory draft pick formula, had Von Miller left after this season when his contract was up, which was the probability and the likelihood the best they would have gotten back in a compensatory draft pick was a fifth-round pick in 2023. So when the Denver Broncos looked at that and said, we could get a fifth-round pick in 2023, 
or we could pay down $9 million of Von Miller's $9.7 million base salary, what's left of it, and get back a second and third round pick as opposed to the fifth round pick in a distant year. And ultimately, Denver decided that this was a trade that it had to make. Now, nobody likes to see a player as important as Von Miller is to that franchise be dealt away to a team that now will contend for a Super Bowl championship this year in the Los Angeles Rams. But the Broncos ultimately decided that this was a move that they had to make, and they did, and they sent him away. And between Von Miller and Derrick Henry, all that unfolded within about a one-hour stretch on Monday morning, creating one of the more chaotic Monday mornings of the football season. And it was wild. Room 1730 of the Lowe's Hotel in Kansas City, sitting at desk there, was all this news came to pass. It was really fascinating to see it all unfold and the ripple effects and ramifications it would have on the National Football League. And those are two moves, an injury and a trade that we will see shape the rest of this season and beyond. And now a man to talk about those moves and, more importantly, the quarterback moves that weren't made at the trade deadline that potentially could be made this offseason. The man that helped bring me to ESPN, the man that has worked with me every Sunday, the man who has been my closest professional reporter friend here, the great, legendary Chris Mortensen. So that's a wrap on another trade deadline, Mort. And I think if we go back and look at it, over the last few weeks, we saw C.J. Henderson traded to the Panthers, Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers, Zach Ertz to the Cards, Kenny Young to the Broncos, Joe Flacco to the Jets, Mark Ingram to the Saints, Von Miller to the Rams, Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs, Charles Amenahu to the 49ers, Dan Brown to the Chiefs for Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. What stands out to you about this trade deadline, Mort, with all those deals? Well, it's the obvious deal that was not made. Yep. Uh, clearly, the trade uh, that never materialized with Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, uh, not going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and as you uh, you know, reported in detail, uh, you know, just, I guess, uh, you know, the Dolphins owner, Steve Ross, just was not comfortable going forward with it. But we know we've been, you and I have been talking about this as well, other reporters for 10 and a half months. Uh, You know, that was Deshaun's preferred destination, but it got more complicated, as you know, when the 22 women uh, came forward eventually with the, the, the complaints of sexual uh, whether it's uh, misconduct, assault, whatever you want to say, some of them filed criminal charges. There's been nothing alleged. The civil suits won't be settled until, well, I mean, won't have a resolution until next year. The league has kind of, I think the league and the Texans kind of have an agreement. You know, Deshaun gets paid his $10 million here this year. There's no administrative leave, which he'd be paid on anyway, by the way. Yep. But there was some suspense to it because there had been dialogue, correct? Some dialogue, yes. I mean, I think the Dolphins admitted that in the fact that when they backed out of it and Stephen Ross ultimately made the decision that the Dolphins weren't going to trade for him, they acknowledged that there had been some discussions between the two sides. Yes. And, and Adam, I, I think that uh, you know, one thing to note, and I had been told this by somebody I, I trust immensely, way back when, felt that Deshaun had a chance to settle the first two lawsuits, I think, yep. uh, civil complaints, from the masseuses uh, in question, uh, that he had a chance to settle that back then for a pretty reasonable figure. And he declined because he did not feel 
he had done anything wrong. Uh, if he had settled those, it's 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 possible the others would not have come forward because the attorney certainly took it public. And uh, so you know, Deshaun Watson made a decision because he believes he he did no wrongdoing. But as a result of that, he from a football standpoint, he's limbo. He's in limbo, and from his private life, he's in limbo. So when do you see this? ending, Morton. How do you see it playing out? Well, listen, we're now obviously moving on to 2022 in terms of his his uh, you know being traded. I could see, I would expect we would have some resolution, certainly uh, after the first of the year. It's possible, you know, listen, we know there are criminal complaints that have been made. Uh, if a grand jury decided to indict him, uh, that's not, by the way, an indictment is an indictment. There's an old prosecutor uh, many prosecutors have said if, if, if you want an indictment, you can get one from a grand jury. But there hasn't been one yet. Uh, that would le- raise the level of the uh, allegations to a more serious level. Uh, now, what I'll say is uh, that I think that ultimately you could have some settlements on this issue, and I think he does get traded next off season. Now, the destination will be interesting because, as you know, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, and he's been very focused on the Dolphins. You know, what happens if Tua Tunga Bailoa actually comes alive down the second half of the season? And he's had his moments, uh, and it looks really good. And for the price that it's going to take to get Deshaun Watson, the player, uh, it's you know you may say we can't ravage your roster. We got to build our roster. So I think uh, I think Deshaun's going to probably have to open up a little bit more beyond Miami in terms of teams he's willing to waive the no trade clause for. And so then who could you see coming into play on Deshaun Watson? Because here we have a situation. If we go back and look, since you reported on this story back last January, I believe it was, right? Since then, we've heard Deshaun Watson connected to the Philadelphia Eagles, who I don't think at one point he was overly interested in going to. Carolina Panthers, who he was not overly interested in going to. In fact, the Dolphins were the only team that he waived his no-trade clause for and would approve a trade to. And so I just wonder, he was trying to steer it to Miami. That was where he wanted to go. Will he continue to do that? And I guess to your point is, if Tua plays well down the stretch, then what does Deshaun do? He goes back to the drawing board, I guess, and has to figure out where it is that he wants to go play. Yeah, and I'd have to say that Tua would have to play extremely well. And as you know, I'm a big believer in Tua. I think you know when you take into account the the uh, the hip injury, which was significant, that he really rehabbed from last year's rookie year. Uh, you know that was significant, and then this year, you know, with new offensive coordinators, I see progress. They've had injuries at the receiver position. Their offensive line's been up and down there with Miami, and uh, I, I feel like Tua is capable of being a winning playoff championship starter in this league. But he's going to have to show that this year, uh, or else I think the Miami thing is, is is still at the head of the line. Because Deshaun Watson, if he's available uh, and everything is behind him, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, is generally regarded as a top five quarterback in the NFL, which puts him with some lofty uh, you know peer groups there in terms of his ability. If you look even last year, uh, you know, when he played for the Texans, you know, he had personal best. 
But one, there was one lesson also to be learned from that, Adam, as one GM pointed out to me, which is, yeah, Deshaun Watson had arguably his best year, yep. certainly one of his best years, and the Texans still had a losing season, proving it's still a team game. Yeah. And you, if you ravage your roster to acquire a quarterback, it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be a championship team. Yeah, and let's be very clear also, some leftover thoughts here on Deshaun Watson before we look ahead again to the offseason. The Texans owner, Cal McNair, wanted to move on from Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wanted to move on from the Texans organization and Cal McNair. Those two men don't particularly care for each other. And nothing's going to change that relationship and the extent of it. And that's why, ultimately, again, we're going to find ourselves right back to where we are, where Deshaun Watson's time in in Houston is over, and he will find himself with a new team, we presume, next year. There's still a lot that plays out. And so I would, I'm going to guess we assume here, Mort, that he will not play again for the Texans this season. And they just have it. And the situation just continues to unfold the way it has all season, where he's inactive every week and collects his salary. He collects his $10 million salary, yes. Now, I got to tell you, there's, there's one little interesting thing uh, that I, I, I spoke with a, uh, somebody who's familiar with the uh, management council and the, the rules and all the what-have-yous on contracts, you know, there's this scenario now that trade deadlines pass that the Texans could sit there and tell Deshaun, hey, we want you to practice now, and we want you to eventually start some games for us down the stretch. Uh, that's not going to happen, Adam. I think there's everybody behind the scenes knows there's an understanding that, you know, this is that Deshaun's not going to play. But if they wanted to say, you have to play, and Deshaun refused, then, as I was told by an executive uh, this afternoon, in fact, they could actually put him on a reserve left squad list or something where his guaranteed money would disappear from his contract and maybe some forfeitures. <laughs> but that's, I think that would be, get, get too much drama, too messy, and I don't think the, the Texans as an organization are prepared for that. And let's not forget Deshaun has got the no-trade clause, so he has leverage, so if – the Texans want to try that with him. He could try his own ways, his own tricks, right? He That's could say, okay, go. I'm not going to approve a trade, let's say, before the draft. And so now yeah. <laughs> he'll force their hand and not allow them to trade him till after the draft, whereby the Texans would miss out on the picks for the 2022 draft, right? So I, I think both sides want to be done with each other, and it's in their best interest to move on from each other. And if they do this in a peaceful, orderly way, that's probably the best way. But if one side tries some antics with the other, Mort, that's where it could get interesting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 
Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you're right, and I, I think that you're you're also probably right that each side understands the leverage they have, and it's, it's in the best interest of both parties to, you know, make a deal before uh, next year. And even though the new league year, I think starts what March 16th or something like that. Yep, mid March. Uh, as you know, those trades can be agreed to. Uh, after you know, Alex Smith, that trade with Washington was done in January, wasn't it? Yeah, so is Matthew Stafford, and we've seen the timeline on trades right. move up each year. And now it used to be that trades really didn't happen until late February, mid March. Now it's like teams can't wait for quarterbacks, and we're going to have, we expect to have, an off season of quarterback movement. I'm curious to hear your assessment of this potential quarterback class that's going to be available with Deshaun Watson, who we just assessed right there, potentially Russell Wilson, potentially Aaron Rodgers. What do we think of the fact that two, three of these quarterbacks could be available now that we've gotten past the Watson situation? How about the other two more? Yeah, you know, I'm going to speak to Russell Wilson first because obviously last year, and you reported on the teams that he would approve a trade to, which was interesting, uh, if you know the all the machinations of what went on there, but uh, and now we hear Pete Carroll putting a lot of love on Russell Wilson as he's coming back from this uh, injury and surgery on the finger. Uh, but I think he gets revisited at the end of the year, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles, as you know, sitting there, if they get that you know pick from the Colts, uh, as you know, with Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. that. Second round pick comes what a one right if he plays yep. in seventy five percent plays yep and uh, they go to the playoffs or seventy percent of the plays and they go to the playoffs either way the Eagles have a cachet of first round draft picks and there's no question in my mind that Russell Wilson would top their list and as you know and I think you might have reported this first is that the Eagles when Russell Wilson came out in that draft Andy Reid was the coach Howie Roseman I think certainly was uh, in the front office. Russell Wilson is kind of somebody they thought about taking in the second round. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yo, they, they they wanted him. Yep. There were a lot of teams. Washington wanted him. Indianapolis yep. wanted him. There are a lot of teams that were going to take Russell Wilson. Of course, Seattle ultimately did it. Number 75, right after the Jacksonville Jaguars took Brian Anger, the punter, at 74. I'll always remember that. And so, yeah, Russell Wilson, we think, again, that that Drama, that storyline's been tabled to this offseason. And as you alluded to, the Eagles could have three top 20 picks. Right now, I think they're scheduled to have three in the top 10. I don't think the Colts will be there at the end of the year, but they could have three top 20 first-round picks. Nobody would have more ammunition to go get a quarterback than the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, to date, I don't think has convinced them that he's the guy, right? So, Russell Wilson and Philly, can you see that more? Well, yes, I can. And, and, and listen, I mean, I'm, 
I know Jalen, and I'm, uh, I hope he I hope he is the guy. But so far, they're not convinced. He has the rest of the year to kind of persuade them, convince them uh, that he's the guy. And let's face it, you still get to the point where, you know, hey, listen, Russell Wilson is one is, is a we believe is a future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and still in his prime. So you, you know, if you have a chance to get that type of player, you get that type of player, no that's matter the, what, right? Fact, right, no matter what. That, that, that's that's the truth. So, and then it's a matter would Russell be willing to play in Philadelphia? Well, it's not too far from New York, and uh, and it's a big market, and and, uh, and certainly Seattle would have have the draft capital. I think they need to rebuild their roster or restock it. I'll say. Well, they, they could use that, and so we think that Russell Wilson is in play for this upcoming offseason, and what about Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you know, I'm going to be interested. Here's, here's what's going to be telling for me on Aaron Rodgers, and I'm this is kind of like a fifth-grade level of reporting, uh, not reporting, but uh, speculation. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Packers if the Packers re-sign Devontae Adams, whose contract expires, correct? Oh, absolutely, yep. Well, you know what? So it'll be a sign that uh, Aaron Rodgers may be content to go back and play with the Packers if Devontae Adams resigns with them, for what would obviously be a huge uh, money deal. Now, that's just me connecting dots. Uh, and then I would say that, you know, as we know, the Broncos will be in the market for a quarterback. And uh, so I just would, you, you can't rule out. Denver being a possible landing spot for Aaron if he wants to continue to play, but he certainly appears to be having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they've got a, they've got a good team that I think is going to get better with David Bakhtiari. Their all pro left tackle is coming back, uh, and uh, they're a dangerous team and, and a very you know interesting NFC race that I think is even better than anybody anticipated because there's six teams right now that we consider elite. Right. Oh, yeah. That's why when Rams made the move for Von Miller, we're talking about the Cardinals, the Rams. We're talking about the Packers, talking about the Cowboys. Help me out here. Uh, yeah. Card- Car- Car- Cardinals, Buccaneers, Saints, Buccaneers, Packers, yeah. Saints. Cowboys. Those are the teams. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good teams. Yes. Uh, you know what? You, a lot we, of good teams. You bring up the Devontae Adams situation. I would think, just spitballing here in advance, that the Packers – are going to franchise Devontae Adams initially. And then if Aaron Rodgers is back, they sign him to a long-term deal. And if they don't, then they trade him to the team that Aaron Rodgers goes and plays with. So if Aaron Rodgers goes and signs with, you pick the team, then maybe Green Bay trades Devontae Adams there as well. So <laughs> those two could be a package deal yeah, that's potentially. Interesting. You, know, yeah, you, you franchise them, and then you don't make, pay him the contract until you know Aaron's coming back for sure. Right. That's, that's- that's pretty interesting. Well, I, I don't know. You know, right, right now I'm getting just watching Aaron. You know, watching Aaron Rodgers now. He's playing in the same spot he's always been. Yeah. But you know, we watched Tom Brady last year and this year. It just looked like a happy man. Like he's happy playing football. You know, change of scenery can be good. Now in this case, I think Aaron Rodgers sees that he's got a real team around. I mean, he clearly likes his coach uh, in uh, Matt Lafleur. And uh, this team has potential to be a Super Bowl contender for for another two or three years, I think. But the question is whether that's enough for him and whether it's beyond just the team and the players he's playing with. And that's what we're going right. to find out this offseason. I think 
a lot of people continue to think that he will be part of that quarterback class that potentially could be available, that could make it another intriguing quarterback offseason one year after we saw 15 different teams change starting quarterbacks from one year to the next. We might have a very similar situation this upcoming offseason. We'll see how that works out, right? That's exactly right. And I'm going to give you the primary assignment on all those. uh, So you make sure you don't sleep uh, again for another year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what about the quarter? What about the quarterbacks in the draft? The people, the front office people that I've spoken to, say it's not so far a great college quarterback class. And you pay a lot more attention to the college game than I do at this time of the year. What is the mort assessment of these quarterbacks coming out? Like, is there somebody, a couple of somebodies, a couple of quarterbacks that teams are going to covet in the upcoming draft or not? Not yet. Yeah, listen, and we know that there are guys that emerge, but generally, even when Carson Wentz came out of North Dakota State, I knew a year ahead of time that there were people that had their eyes on him. Yep, me too. Uh, you know, so there, this class sounds like they, there's no question there will be quarterbacks taken in the first round, but nobody has anybody projected in the top 10, maybe not even in the top 15. <laughs> uh, and we know some guys will get pushed up because of it. But that's why those teams like the Eagles, we think, would much rather go the veteran route than uh, take a shot at this quarterback class. There's some good ones, but are there going to be some great ones? That remains uh, really in question. And that's almost a consensus, I believe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Quarterbacks always make headlines. We've already got a lot of quarterback situations now. It's going to continue to get interesting, and uh, I guess we'll be tracking that stuff this upcoming up season, right, Morton? Yeah, we are. Uh, there's no question that the, the landscape of the NFL and how, how you acquire quarterbacks has changed. You forecast this a year ago or so too. How many quarterbacks did you predict would change teams? It didn't I reach that number, but I, I said I said the over. I said the I said at the start of last offseason. I remember this very clearly. It was the day after the Packers lost to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, and I was about to go on my Peloton for a ride, and I started thinking about Aaron Rodgers' comments. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, like if he is a part of this change, this offseason, which he had the potential to be, we are looking at an offseason unlike any other. And I started going through and I counted it up at the time. I thought there was the chance for 18 potential quarterback changes, 18 teams that would change starting quarterbacks from opening day in 2020 to 2021. As it turned out, I was a little high. It was 15. But it easily could have gone that way. Right. I'm just thinking about Russell Wilson right. could have been somewhere. Aaron Rodgers could have been somewhere. Deshaun Watson could have been somewhere. Like just a few of those moves, if they had played out, and they almost did, then it would have been 18. As it was, it was 15. It still was an incredible offseason movement. Yeah, so what I'm, I guess what the point being is that it's not just the draft that teams are waiting for. They're now seeing... Uh, listen, I mean, quarterbacks are, are playing. I'm, I'm not, Tom Brady is an exception, but 
they are playing. They're keeping themselves in good physical condition, and they're playing really the best football. You know, I say anywhere between thirty and forty years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford is thirty-three years old right now. He's got. If he wants to play, if he has the desire to play, he's, he's got five or six. I think really good years left. Because they have all the mental, the mental stuff is nothing. It's just matter of taking care of your body. And these quarterbacks are taking care of themselves physically, and we know the rules for the most part protect the quarterbacks more than they used to. Well, it should be fascinating. And more, I want to thank you very much for the time. I appreciate you telling everybody that I should be in Bristol for the trade deadline special. So I had to fly back from Kansas City at six a.m. to hustle up from New York to Bristol to get up here for a trade show. A trade deadline special that you weren't even here for in the end. Ultimately, I would have liked to have spent the day no, with you in person. No, not only that, but I, you know, I, I'm a three-hour drive from from uh, the stadium, Kansas City's, and I'm still three hours away from that stadium. And you're in Bristol. Congratulations! <laughs> but you, hey, Adam, I do want to say this: Don't be editing this out now. Yeah, you are the best, and you proved it again uh, this this past. Uh, few days with all the breaking news congratulations you make us look great and uh thanks a lot for that well, you you are the best thank you for always being my friend for being so supportive for bringing me aboard to this place as we've discussed and gone over many times i wouldn't be here if it weren't for you and i'm grateful to you for that and i love you for that and uh, appreciate everything that you have always done and to stand in my corner uh to take this fight that we've or this battle that we've been on together, the, the, the this journey, not battle, this journey that we've been on together, not a battle, journey, Mort. This journey that we've been on together, right? It's just, it's just a journey. We're all on a journey. You never know where the journey is going to take us. But right now, we're. What do they like to say? We're going to be where our feet are at. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mort, I will see you this upcoming Sunday on Sunday NFL Countdown. I appreciate taking the time to do this with me today, post NFL trade deadline. And thank you very much for everything, always. All right. Thanks, Adam. Take care, bud. See you soon. And so there are some of the thoughts from the great Chris Mortensen as we begin to wrap up the current trade deadline period and look ahead to what will be another busy, active quarterback offseason. Quarterbacks always are the headlines. They're always what keeps you busy. They're always what draws viewers and attention, and it'll be no different this upcoming offseason regarding those quarterbacks. Now, sometimes it goes to a wide receiver that catches attention. And this is an interesting story. My friend who works for NFL Network, Rich Eisen, tapes a podcast about the origins of one's career. And Rich had me on last week. We taped an episode that I think is being released this week. And Rich had asked me a question about my daughter, Dylan, who is working this year as a correspondent, an NFL correspondent on Nickelodeon's Wednesday night television show called Slime time. And basically, Rich was telling me, asking me, if I had ever got any information from the interviews that my daughter has conducted this season with a group of players that I used on our shows, ESPN's programming. Now, that hasn't happened exactly, but I've been fortunate enough to sit in on her interviews with Jamar Chase and Darren Waller. And what stood out to me about the Jamar Chase interview was she asked him what his nickname was. And he said, Uno. And she said, in a follow-up question, that was very good. Why Uno? And he said, his birthday is on the first. His father's birthday is on the first. Another family member's birthday is on the first. Seemingly everyone in his family has a birthday on the first. Therefore, he wears number one. Therefore, he's Uno. 
Therefore, we have in Cincinnati Uno to follow what was one time they had Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson. So they've had all these numerical meanings in Cincinnati. And Rich Eisen was telling me that he was preparing to do something about Jamar Chase. And he read the reason that he wears Uno and is called Uno. And I can't prove this, but it certainly sounds like it stemmed from a question that my daughter asked Jamar Chase about six weeks ago that somebody must have heard that found its way into the reporting of Jamar Chase's remarkable rookie season, which made its way to Rich Eisen before he was doing a read about Jamar Chase. And so, therefore, there's nothing that has brought me any more happiness than seeing my daughter contribute to this NFL season and the narrative that shapes some of these players' performances. Kind of cool to see that. And as we were taping the podcast, when he asked me about the fact if I had ever gotten any information from my daughter, that is something that stayed with me. And I thought that was pretty cool that Dylan got the information that she did. And somehow, in a roundabout way, it made its way to Rich Eisen, my former college co-newspaper editor at the Michigan Daily. We went to the University of Michigan at the same time. So pretty neat. All right. So now we turn our attention to the Week 9 matchups. Mike White. How about that? The Jets, who knows? Maybe they got offered draft picks for Mike White at the trade deadline. Mike White gets another chance on Thursday night at Greatness, plays the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Big game in the AFC North Sunday, the Browns versus the Bengals. Joe Burrow lost both his starts versus the Browns last season, but they were by a combined eight points, and he had three passing touchdowns in both those games. Joe Burrow will be looking for revenge. Looks like Dak Prescott will be back behind center to play the Denver Broncos. We have the Deshaun Watson Bowl with the Texans playing at Miami. The Texans general manager, Nick Casario, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores worked together with the Patriots before holding their current positions. We have the Patriots and Panthers playing Sunday. The Patriots have lost two straight to the Panthers going back to 2013 and are 3-4 all-time versus Carolina, including that Super Bowl game that the two sides Play Buffalo, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Baltimore, Chargers, Eagles, that Packers Chiefs game. That is a matchup. It's the first time that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, are playing. The last time these two teams played, the Chiefs quarterback was hurt when the two teams played in 2019. And Mahomes and Rodgers are one and two in NFL history in touchdown passes per game amongst players with at least 1,000 pass attempts. That should be a great game. Sunday night, we get Von Miller's debut against the Derrick henry Tennessee Titans. And on Monday night, we will be in Pittsburgh for Justin Fields at Pittsburgh. The Steelers have a nine-game winning streak on Monday Night Football that was snapped in their last Monday Night Football game in the 2020 Week 15 matchup at Cincinnati. But the Steelers have won 18 straight home games on Monday Night Football, the longest streak and the history of the series, and the Steelers will be looking to extend that streak on Monday night. Before I let you go, please check out Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys with can't-miss conversations and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the book of Boba Fett is coming to Disney Plus on December 29th, but starting today, 
You can watch the trailer for this thrilling Star Wars adventure of the legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand. Follow the journey as the two navigate the galaxy's underworld to sh- Follow the journey as the two navigate the galaxy's underworld to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt. That's the book of Boba Fett. Check out the trailer on Disney Plus starting today. All right, I want to thank my producer, Christina Buswell, for putting this together. I want to thank my friend, my colleague, Chris Mortensen, for appearing on the Adam Schefter Podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter Podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll look back at Week 9, look ahead to Week 10. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.